You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Good morning, everyone up at the mills. It is, uh, it is good to be with you via the, uh, the video today, uh, although I don't know if you feel the same. And I say that because, uh, as you know, we've been experimenting with doing more live preaching up at the mills. Uh, we just feel like... Uh, Perhaps uh, it is better to hear the message in 3D rather than 2D, uh, and at least until we upgrade our, our video capabilities here. Uh, and, but we'll still be doing video messages periodically. But I'm interested, I'm very curious into hearing what you think. And, uh, and, and so let me know. Let me know what you think about this. As you know, last several weeks, if you've been here, we, uh, or really uh, since September, we're starting up a year-long theme of stretch, and we're sort of separating that theme into smaller parts. We believe that faith stretches us, stretches us to believe more, stretches us to receive more, stretches us to go beyond ourselves. In fact, over the past uh, several weeks, I've heard several of you, many of you, tell me ways in which God has been stretching you. I've talked to someone this week who felt that they were being stretched to sign up for a public speaking class, and uh, that was terrifying to them, and so that was a stretch for them, the small group that we had in that. A couple uh, uh, were, joined, were, were stretched to join a small group. Several of you had told me that. Um, and, and a couple were stretched to start a small group. Some of you, uh, one of us, uh, was uh, stretched to start a whole new career track, a career path, and, and I've known uh, uh, some people that were stretched to hold on to God in the midst of a very, very difficult trial in, uh, in their family and their lives right now. And maybe others, I'm sure there are plenty others. Um, doesn't it feel good to be stretched? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. But it hurts so good. And, and when we get through that stretching time, we find that it was, it was painful. We wouldn't want to go through with it again, perhaps. Um, but it makes us better. It makes us better. Uh, we talked about Abraham um, over the past several weeks. Abraham is the example of faith, the father of faith, uh, the one that God used on a personal level to be the father of a mighty nation and uh, the ways in which God was stretching him to believe that. Today, we want to begin a, a, a sermon series from the New Testament in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, or if you want to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible... I invite you to turn there, the book of Acts, right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you're new to the Bible. And I just want to say hi to anyone that might be listening on the podcast. Um, if you haven't downloaded the Riverside app yet here, uh, you can hear the podcast on the Riverside app. You can also find notes for the sermons that we preach on a weekly basis. So uh, I encourage you to, to turn there and to find that. So um, Acts chapter 1. And uh, as Abraham was the birth of God's chosen people, father of all who would be, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the Israelites that followed, Acts is really the birth of the church. It's all about how these first followers of Jesus were stretched after the ascension of Christ to go beyond themselves. And the story of the church's birth we see God's blueprint for, for the new community that God wanted to create. 
the old way of doing things and now the new way of doing things, the new community. So how is God stretching these first followers is the big question that we're going to be asking. And as we go through this, we're going to be asking, okay, God, well, then how are you stretching us as a community of people? How is God going to stretch us to believe more? So if you have your Bible, uh, the text is Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and um, um, let me just read the first few verses here. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up from heaven after giving his chosen apostles um, further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Anytime you read the Bible, I encourage you to ask questions, questions simply like who and what and where and all those questions. Who's writing this? Luke is the author of this. Luke, who was the author of the Gospel of Luke. And in fact, the book of Acts is volume two of Luke's chronicling Christ's life and the birth of the early church. Luke and Acts really go together. Luke, the writer of this, was a traveling companion, co-worker of the Apostle Paul. That's why we see in the book of Acts, from Paul's story on, the, the growth of the church in that direction. We don't have a record of how God used Philip and how God used the other disciples as they spread out from Jerusalem, but we have the record of Paul in the later chapters of the book of Acts. Luke uh, uh, is referred to in the book of Colossians as a physician. Uh, Luke is a Greek name. And so we see that this Greek follower of Jesus, now the first followers of Jesus were not Greek, right? They were all Jewish. They were all Hebrews. They were all um, from Jerusalem and, uh, and Galilee and Judea. So most of them Galileans that, that were following Jesus. And, and here we have a person beyond their boundaries who is, who is following Jesus, who is writing to a person whose name was Theophilus. Theophilus is a Greek term, Greek word, a Greek name, and it's a combination of two words, theos, which is God, and phileo, which is love. So Theophilus, the name, putting those two words together, means a lover of God. Some would say that that was a fictional person, and it's written to all who would call themselves lovers of God, or it could have been to one individual. Either way, it was used and passed around to all of the early church, and it was really targeting people that were outside of the Jewish world at that time to tell them about who this Jesus was. So it's, ver- it's volume two of Luke's version of Jesus's story. In fact, you'll see if you turn to the beginning of Luke, notice what he says there. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that, I've been, that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So you can see where these are written to the same person and uh, for the same purpose. The purpose is that you might know the truth of everything that you were taught. So Luke, being this this historian, this intelligent person, 
is pulling resources from all the stories, all the different sources that were going around at that time, from the first followers of Jesus, the written accounts about Jesus. Namely, Mark's gospel was one of those accounts that was the earliest written, and he's pulling from that. And he's compiling the biography of Jesus in the early church, is what he is compiling here in Luke and Acts. So he's here to give them the rest of the story of Jesus' story after Jesus ascended into heaven, which I think is really cool. And Jesus goes, but Jesus doesn't end. The story of Jesus doesn't end when Jesus leaves this earth. And it doesn't end at the end of the book of Acts. And in fact, if Luke were still writing today, he would be writing your story and our story. So... So he's writing to explain what Jesus meant when he appeared to the apostles from time to time to prove that he was alive and to tell them and explain to them what it means. What is this kingdom of God? And it's all about that. It's all about the kingdom of God. It's about the story of the Holy Spirit shaping and forming a new community. It's about their belief. It's about their expectations of the kingdom and how their expectations, these first followers, the apostles, their expectations of Jesus and what that kingdom was going to be was so limited, so small compared to what God was doing through the early church. So again, if Luke were writing the story of Jesus' work through the Holy Spirit in your life, how would how would he write that Jesus has made a difference in you? If, 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 if somebody were telling the story of Jesus through this community of people, Riverside Community Church, formerly Penn Hills and something like that, what, what difference has Jesus made in our community? What is, what is our community, what is making this community different because Jesus is in our midst, because the Spirit is in us, or are we no different than some other social community, social event? Are we, are, what, what makes it unique? How would that story read? Well, let's read on here in the book of Acts. Once when he was eating with them, verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, Jesus commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit that as they were baptized in the name of Jesus, as they were baptized by the apostles, or the apostles were baptized, uh, actually Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and so many others were baptized by John the Baptist, immersed in water. The old life is dead. New life has come. By the way, by the way, if you've not seen the bulletin, baptism service two weeks from today in both venues here in Oakmont and at the Mills. So if you've not been baptized since you've been a believer, sign up, sign up. It'll be a great day. It was a great day last time we did it. We're going to do it again. It'll be fun. So a couple of weeks, baptism service. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about being totally immersed in God, being immersed in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God coming upon us, filling us, helping us to be remembered of all, all that Jesus taught us. In fact, that's what, what it says in the Gospel of John. Jesus promised this, and, and it says in the Gospel of John, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you. That's the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him because he dwells in you and will be in you. 
Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live in you, and you, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Later on, he goes on, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our midst. If you have received Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you to help you to remember who Jesus was, to, to intuitively instinctively, if you, if you are following the Spirit of God, to follow the way of Jesus. It's that indwelling reminder of everything that Jesus stands for, of the way that Jesus healed the sick, of the way he befriended sinners, of the way he spoke out against the prideful, and how he lifted up the humble, and how he talked about God as our Father that we can become intimate with, how Jesus suffered injustice and he didn't fight back, how he endured the cross, how he conquered the grave. That Holy Spirit inside of you should shape your life, should shape the way you think, should shape the way you act, should remind you of what it means if you're following Jesus' way. And when you get out of line of Jesus' way, that Holy Spirit is there to convict you. And that, that conviction is a work of the Holy Spirit, not out of a sense of heaping condemnation, but out of a sense of protecting you from going down a path of self-destruction or a path of destroying other people. And it prompts you to do the right thing. And it guides you in the right path. So the Holy Spirit is there with us, with us. But there's a sense of the Holy Spirit coming upon us that, that, that for special occasions and in special times is, is going to do incredible works among us. So let me just ask you a question. Pause right now, time out. How in tune are you to that voice of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you? How consciously do you try to say, Spirit of God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Do we go through life oblivious? Do we go through life ignoring that? Do we go through life trying to put our fingers in our ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Or are we saying, God, God, I believe that you're in me and I'm in you and I, I want to bring you to my to my day. I want to bring you to my family. I want to bring you to my community. I want to bring you to my, my workplace. God, what does that, God, how would you have me act? What would you want me? Now, that, that intuitiveness, that sense of the Holy Spirit is our responsibility, but I want you to know it's there if you're a believer, if you would just put up your spiritual radars for that. So how in tune are you? And what's causing you to turn a deaf ear to the Spirit of God? So that's just a challenge that I give to you because I know that, that I can, even in the midst of what I do, and for me it should be far easier because this is my life, but I want you to know even I can, can sometimes grow deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So it's up to us to say, what is it you want? What is it you want? Well, let's, let's move on here. And uh, verse 6. Again, this is Jesus. He's talking about what happened when Jesus left this earth. So when, when the apostles were with Jesus, 
they kept asking him, and I'll notice this. They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to notice a few things right there. Notice the mindset of the apostles at this point. Jesus died. They were all grieving, hiding from the authorities, not wanting to be crucified because they were followers of his, denying that they know him, betraying him, all fearing for their lives. Jesus shows up in their midst, post-resurrection, miraculously, proving to them that he conquered death, conquered the grave, starts to meet with them and show up from time to time. And the Bible says over 500 people saw Jesus from time to time during this time period, these days after the resurrection and before he ascended to the Father. So right before he's going to send to the Father, they said, okay, Jesus, now are you going to help we Jews, we Israelites, have our day in the sun. Now are you going to let us be on top? Now are we going to be free from the oppression of Rome and throughout our history of all the other empires? Finally, Jesus, are you going to be in control and let us be the leaders, be free to control our own selves? Jesus says, that's not for me to say or for you to know. But what is for you to know is that there's another plan for you. Notice what Jesus didn't say. He said, you know, when you will see power. He didn't say you will receive information when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He didn't say you will receive powerful sermons and great music when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He didn't say that you're going to get buildings and programs when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to get money and fame. You're going to get perfect health and a life of comfort and ease when the Holy Spirit. He didn't say any of that. And that seems to be the whole motive of why so many people do church and what church seems to be all about and what following Jesus seems to be all about. But what did Jesus say? He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will bear witness to me. It is not power, period. Because a lot, I think, in, in some circles, in, in some Pentecostal circles, it's all about having power. Power to tell people what they're doing and where they're going and power to impress and power to do this and power to have and power. It's not about power, period. It is power, to bear witness to Jesus everywhere we go. How does that change the connotation for you? Especially when you note that the word for witness, the Greek word in the original language is marturion. And that's where we get the word martyr. I will give you power to be martyrs for Jesus. Oh, Oh, man, does that change what you think that means? Unbelievable, right? It's not simply about telling people 
that they are going to hell and they need Jesus to get saved. That's, I mean, we need to point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is far bigger than just getting people to pray a prayer and check that notch off your belt. It's about living the Jesus life in a world that is lost and broken. It's about walking the Jesus path in a world where it's so easily to get off the Jesus path. It's about showing people the Jesus way. It's about telling people the Jesus story in our words and in our deeds. It's about bearing witness. I know Jesus. I, I, he's done this in my life. I know Jesus because, because this is what, what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what I've experienced. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what we understand about Jesus. I know Jesus. I'll bear witness to Jesus. Because I know Jesus, I'm going to avoid certain things that I know are destructive. Oh, you will, and you might get martyred for that. You might get persecuted for that. But will you bear witness to Jesus in the midst of persecution? Will you bear witness to Jesus? God forbid any of us ever have to face some of the situations in the world today where it's you either repent of your knowledge of Jesus, you either deny knowing Jesus or you die. But that's what was going on. Stephen, the first martyr, the first who bore witness to Jesus. If you read the story of Stephen in a few chapters later in Acts, you will see that his bearing witness to Jesus was very similar to what happened to Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will bear witness to me here in Jerusalem. When you travel to Judea, to Samaria, you go to the uttermost parts of the earth as you go out. So, so one other thing to notice here, the old community thinking, the old mindset of the apostles is so microscopic. It's about right here and now. It's about me. What are you going to do for me, Jesus? What are you going to do right now for me? But the new community mindset is more telescopic. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other uttermost parts. The old community is looking inward. The new community is looking outward. The old community is all about me. The new community is about them. God, that's the new community that Jesus is forming in the book of Acts. It's teaching these people who are so microscopic in their thinking to think telescopically, to think beyond themselves. So, so Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that I will have the power to think and act bigger than me, beyond me, more than me. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, to love those beyond me, to care for those, to give them the good news of Jesus Christ and show them and demonstrate and point them the way. One more thing that you wouldn't have noticed in the English translation is something that our English language falls short of, in my opinion. I wish there was a way that we could change this. I'll explain it. In the original language, it's clearer than in the English translation. And it has to do with the way that we use a particular pronoun. In the original language, it is clear that the second person pronoun, whether it is singular or whether it is plural. So to accurately translate this verse, this is what Jesus really said. Yins will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Right? 
Yins will receive power. You plural. You plural. If you were in, uh, I have a friend from Buffalo, it was yous. David Kennard would say y'all. But, you know, we, we have to come up with a way to make you plural because in the English language, you singular and you plural, there's no difference. But in the Greek, it's very clear. He's talking to you plural, you people, yins, all of you, all of you. And, and, and so it's not about me getting my gift and having my personal experience so I can boast that I have the Holy Spirit. In fact, as I look through the subsequent pages of Acts, every time the Holy Spirit is poured out on people, it's poured out on a group of people. People were all together seeking God in the book of Acts in, in chapter 2 in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Philip was teaching a group of Samaritans and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Peter was at the home of a Roman centurion, Cornelius, and his household when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Paul was at Ephesus meeting with several believers when the Holy Spirit came upon them. My point is this, and this is really simple. The Holy Spirit comes more powerfully in community. It comes upon us when we come together. And it's to be shared in community. And then it is to be taken out to the broader community. What is a spirit-filled church? Riverside, I like to say, Riverside is a spirit-filled church. Well, what does that mean? Well, to, to some people that means, well, it's spontaneous. Can I, can I let you in on... We plan these services very carefully. Because you don't have a program that tells you what song's coming next doesn't mean that we don't know what song is coming next. But some churches, back when I was, you know, a new Christian, it was far more spontaneous. Far more spontaneous. So it's spontaneity. If you plan it, then the Holy Spirit doesn't free to move. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit moves when I'm planning my message. I hope I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit when we're planning the music. I believe that when we're saying, how, God, do you, do you want us to communicate this week? Would we not pray, Spirit of God, lead us in those decisions? Um, to others, it's, uh, it, you know, the Spirit-filled church is, is defined by a more charismatic style of preaching. And I wish I was that, but I'm not. It's just, uh, the louder, the more in your face it is, the more Spirit-filled it is. Or if there's, uh, you know, if you got to have the demonstration of the charismatic gifts in a Sunday morning service in order for it to be, quote, spirit-filled. If there's not a message in tongues or interpretation or a prophecy or something like that, then the spirit isn't there. I'm all for gifts. Don't get me wrong. But I don't believe that defines what a spirit-filled church is. All those things are well and good. This is how I'm describing a spirit-filled church. It's a church which every one of us brings a piece of the Spirit with them. That piece that is in us. We all come and we bring a piece of the Spirit and each piece is an integral part of the whole. And when the, all the pieces come together to make the whole and we're all joined together with a fervent hope and expectation and determined prayer and praise, that we experience the power of God that blesses each of the parts and empowers each of the parts to be more powerful to go out and bear witness to Jesus.
Does that make sense to you? Do you understand what I mean by that? So when yins are all together in one accord, you experience the power of God. And when you are full of the Holy Spirit, you will go out and bear witness to Jesus wherever yins go. (laughs) So when the Spirit shows up among yins, it should be exciting. It should be contagious. It should be transformational. And it is. One final verse here. After saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. But they all strained to see him rising into heaven. And then two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. I love this line. Men of Galilee, okay, Galileans, they said, why are you standing here straining up into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. Someday he will return in the same way that you saw him go. In other words, Jesus sent these messengers to say, all right, quit looking up. He's going to come back. Now get out there and get to work. That's how I interpret that. Some people are so heavenly minded, you've heard it said, that they're no earthly good. And they're so full of the Spirit but they're good for nobody because it's all about them. What they can get from God, the experience they can have from God and how they can just feed on one another. I think the Spirit of God empowers us to quit looking up and start looking out. Looking out and looking out. Would you bow your heads with me, please? God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us your power to bear witness to you, not on Sundays alone, but Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and even on Saturdays. To bear witness to your life to your will, to your ways, to bear witness with our lives that we're followers of you, that the people could look at us and say there's something different, something different. Like the early disciples when they were brought in before the authorities, these are unlearned and ordinary men but they've been with Jesus. May people see the true Jesus in us, I pray. Empower us all by your Holy Spirit when we come together so you can change us, transform us, and empower us in our times together. When we come together in community, your Spirit shows up. When we come together 
on Sundays or when we get together in our small groups or when we get together in Jesus' name, I pray that you will just show up in the midst of us and breathe new power and life into us so that we could be empowered to to go out into our world wherever you send us, bearing witness to you. Spirit of God, change us. Let this community be a place of transformation and change and excitement as we come together expecting that you're going to speak to us as we sing and lift you up, as we, as we look into your word, as we respond to the Spirit's prompting. Help it to change us, I pray, oh God. And as you change us, may our community see and feel and know the love of God demonstrated through Jesus Christ by virtue of the Holy Spirit inside of every one of us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.